The following episode of Council of the First Ones was recorded on Sunday, September 16, 2018. Hello, welcome to another episode of Council of the First Ones. I'm your host, Kelly, and joining me today is Renee from Nerds on the Couch. How are you doing, Renee? Oh, I'm still recovering from PowerCon, but I'm actually uh, enjoying my Stridor, my collectibles, and I'm in a very good place right now with Motu. And coming to us from the tropics is our good friend, Crespo. How's everything in Puerto Rico? Well, we dodged the hurricane, but again, I'm worried about my friends and fans from North Carolina that were hit by a, by a hurricane. So I hope everything turns out as good as possible, given the situation to them. It's been too long that we've all been away, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a hectic year. Let's, let's just say it's been a hectic year with the coming of Super 7, the issues that have some people angry. I'm surprised that the Wave 2 Super 7 packages are starting to show up and they tossed in a free Triclops head to fix the whole head stock issue. Yeah, it seems like a few of them, few of the Triclops heads wouldn't spin. So Super 7 decided to be proactive and give new Triclops heads to everybody, even if yours was working correctly. Well, just to point out, when I got mine, The head was stuck, but it was the paint. You know, these guys painted it, and then they, they sonic weld them on their heads. So the paint worked as a glue. And I had the hair dryer. I, I admit, I had to have the hair dryer on it for, like, almost, like, 30 minutes. And then I was able to pop the head off. And then I kind of gave it a, not W240, but uh, I have a little... Uh, Uh, little motor grease that I have, and I just put a little dab around it, and then I heated it up, put the head back in, and it works fine. But I know other people kind of messed up their heads. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm pointing out, this is a good thing Super 7. They're trying to be right. You know, we talked to them at PowerCon. I had an interview with Brian. I mean, we were crowded as all, all out when uh, we were talking, but the guy sincerely wants to deliver a good product. And, of course, there were stumbling blocks and all that. You know, there always is with these things, but, you know, let's give him credit. He's trying. Yeah, that's what that's what I was trying to say that, I mean, they didn't have to because not all of them were affected. But the whole fact that they did, it just shows that they're trying to do right to their customers, which that's I call them out when they do bad. I call I praise them when they, they do good. I did the same thing with Maddie. I'm doing the same thing with Super 7. And that. That simple act of sending everyone ahead, it's a its a good thing. Oh, God, I sound like Martha Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you're not trying to shut them down. No, but it was... I, I, didn't, I didn't try to shut down Maddie. I was simply trying them to get better, do right by their customers. If, if their solution was shutting down, it's on them, not me. Oh, yeah, by the way, hi, Scott. I'm back. <laughs> Well, just to point out, you know, a positive thing, and I did a video review on the Nerds page. 
My Strider came out awesome. You know, me and Kelly uh, did a review on PowerCon exclusives. The figures were great. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with them. And that spike or can kill people. <laughs> Keep it now away I from children. Him. I mean, seriously. I mean, we Kelly and I felt the, the, the you know, child safety standards be damned. You know, they're out the window here. Okay. <laughs> the power sword is going to be sharpened and it's going to be metal for the next wave. <laughs> and it's like, wow. I mean, <laughs> that spike or, I mean, if it falls and my foot is on it, I'm going to go to the hospital. Yes, you will. I couldn't believe how pointy those are. I mean, even Pixel Dan even commented how sharp they were and how you can't have it on the floor because it'll hurt worse than a Lego. And I've stepped on Legos. And yes, that, that is an agony in hell. Don't call them Legos. The correct term is Lego bricks. Snake Mountain. It is humongous. When we when I measured it, it had to be easily. I'd say it was about four and a half feet wide open. Yeah, yeah. It was like when I remember when we did. It was about the size of the bed. I mean, not the. Uh, I mean, the width of it, not the length of it. Wow, that was. It's huge. It's the size of a small child. Very oh, easily. Good. I think I might need to get a bigger table to display it, but. At that moment in time, I I saw it. It was in the display case, and I was like, I want it. I'll give you my credit card right now. <laughs> I, I really, you know, I talked to him for like 20 minutes about how awesome that, that piece. It, it looked just magnificent. And last year when we did the interview with him, you know, he was telling me that, that he wants to get it done. You know, he told me out of, the, out of camera that he is working really hard to get it done. And understand something here. This is a positive thing about Brian. Brian is a fan. He loves Motu toys so much. He really loves them. And he told me last year that he is trying really hard to get to make it happen, but he can't promise anybody. That's why he was kind of elusive. He delivered this, and he told me the problem he's having uh, was not the the engineering was one. He said that they've made like six different practice runs, and the plastic has caved in. The plastic has warped. They just haven't gotten it down right. And then finally, he told me this year that they figured it out. They got the right plastic mix. They got the right engineering. It folds up. That's the magnificent part. You can fold Snake Mountain and you could have like the, and it'll look like the case that we had as a kid or I never had it as. A, even then, I still need to get a table for it. and all the accessories that come with it. Oh my God. I just want the accessory pack alone. I mean, getting Skeletor's throne, finally, and it looks like the it table. came right out of filmation, the table for the henchmen. I mean, there were so many accessories. Oh, the tentacle monsters? Yep. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that they ditched the electronics for that tentacle monster, because that thing is a beauty. And and not, only, not only for Masters of the Universe display, but... For other displays, like you need something monstery, alien, pop one of those suckers right in, and it's like, ooh, alien monster, yay! Well, it's not just also the tentacle monsters. Remember, Kelly? What I liked was where the old mic used to be. That's actually storage that you could put weapons in and all like that. I mean, they had a tiny little Bluetooth speaker. You do it yourself. And like hide hide the speaker like in a little piece of foam, of foam, and paint it like 
purple, pinkish, snake mounted. Oh, look, it's a, it's a snake mounted rub. Surprise, soccer, there's no Dana, only Sue. Kind of thing. Or even then, you could put like a little sticker facade, make it look like a computer or something, and poof, there it is. I mean, you do get, that was the cool thing. It's like, it was kind of like the opposite, uh, you know, the, the rival of Castle Grayskull, because it does have an evil computer console. You know, it does have, you know, tons of little bit of it. It has faces and things like sculpted inside of it, which just made it so cool. I mean, I was yeah. just blown away. The Four Horsemen did an excellent job. But to be fair, to be fair, the Horsemen have a 99.8% hit rate, success rate. So it's like, it would be news to say, oh, the Four Horsemen blew this. But, I mean, the, the Four Horsemen made this suck. If you say that, that's newsworthy, but the War Horsemen knocked it out of the park, that's like, eh, it's Tuesday. I I know that they're trying to do like a crowdfunding. Well, he said that they're using Kickstarter in the adjective. They're not officially using Kickstarter. No, no, no. But something something similar like that, a crowdfunding, like to get like to get like the base funding and that, well, that makes you like, oh, you, you are you're gonna you pay like you pay like a deposit and then you yeah. we talked to him about that and um kelly how much did he say that they're shooting for at powercon we were told by brian they couldn't make it official that it was going to be 500 dollars. so it's going to be in that ballpark guys but still facing was the shipping how to get it yeah. in a box and he said he never realized he had to give what an educator would say dum dum instructions that we have to put a box in a box we do have to put some kind of tissue or bubble wrap around it so that's the part that they're just working out now and he was hoping that at new york comic-con which is october 4th through the 7th that they will make the official announcement and launch and hopefully launch the campaign shortly after yeah just to point out he kind of clarified a little bit in our conversation and some of us got our stridor in the box, you know? <laughs> uh, and by by in the box, it was like they just put a label on the on the protective box and they just toss it in. Yeah. Good good thing I'm an opener, cause like that my box took like a, a lot of beating in transport and luckily my mail carrier is a collector, so he like left me like the notification, like and then we came to go pick it up. And I picked it up at the post office the next day. He called me and he told me, like, dude, what the heck are they thinking sending sending it like that? I cannot put a box like that with a big He-Man label, adult collectible toys label there, because that's, like, right for the picking. You know, he, he was telling me that, that he's working with a lot of companies. And so, yeah, he had to go up. But, again, he's improving. He is on it, man. He is really, really on it. And so I speak highly of him, you know. Anybody who talks to him know he is really sincere. His famous quote, and I will blurp this, I don't want to sell toys. You know, he always says that. And so, you know, he was talking about it. The challenge he has is that uh, the box, and he does not want to mess this up at all. He, you know, and I talked to Ruby Obrero, and uh, he was kind of, you know, kind of elusive. And so was Brian. If that indeed is happening, which right now it's just speculation. Yeah. Uh, need to point it out because then, then people run it with like, oh, they're confirming this. And no, no, no. 
no. if the if the rumors and speculation are true and those stars align, it would be majestic. And I kind of dropped it at him, and too he and Brian was aware that they had the fan voting for the cover of Castle Grayskull, and so. You know, he was kind of saying, yeah, that would be kind of, you know, how Brian goes. He's like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it, guys? You know? uh, well, to be fair, that's just Brian covering his bases because yeah. he cannot say, he cannot go like, not a jab at Scott, but Scott sometimes said things off the cuff and then people held him up to it. And then when they, it didn't pop out, they called him out on it. Yeah, I so know, but I'm, I'm one who... I'm one of those who did that at a professional level. Yes, you did. And we were reminded of that. On Snake Mountain, you know, Brian kind of did hint about the cover. He kind of seemed kind of open to having that uh, voting cover thing. And I hope it happens. Honestly, I really do, because I would like to uh, redo that Snake Mountain cover, because I'm not a fan of that cover. But I can only imagine how cool it would be if you get Ruby Obrero and the fans vote for, like, which major villains we should see on that and which heroes we should see on that. Oh, that yeah, I can it would see be cool. Horde coming in to attack, trying to regain, and then you also had the Snakeman coming up. Oh, you know, yeah. Heroes, you could have the villains fighting each other. Who's going to take over Snake Mountain? But at the same time, you can't have it overcrowding the Snake Mountain. Yeah, I, I think I think like a six, six, maybe eight, to eight characters tops. Like, cause you know you have like one in the chains. Obviously, you need to have Heman and Skeletor, so that's like three, three spots left. So that would leave like three to five spots, and and obviously, obviously, like uh, old school fans are gonna say like, put Duncan in chains. Personally, I would think it would be like hilarious if we like could get like. Dragoman flying in the sky, like attacking a chain specter again. This is not like this is. I don't mean this as a. I don't mean this as a jab to Toy Guru or anything. I just mean. I just mean like it would be cool like to validate those new characters. We missed out on an opportunity of having Castle Grayskull man and Castle Grayskull, so maybe like validate some of the new characters. And I don't want Sir Laser Lot on it because Sir Laser Lot sucks. I don't want Sidechop. With you on that one. I don't want Sidechop because his like his scissors are too big. Fearless photo, maybe, but I don't want it to be overpowered by the new guys. I just want like certain iconic characters like it's Snake Mountain, let's have Skeletor and King His, cause you know, Snake, King His, Snake Man, original owner of Snake Mountain, then Skeletor taking over. Heman, well, Heman is obviously a necessity. It would well, be nice like to have one or two females, but it's not like mandatory because like Snake Mountain had what like what? Three characters, Battle Armor, Heman, Skeletor, and Duncan in Chains. Well, I would compromise with Duncan in Chains. All right. I was going to say, I have to have Battle Armor, Heman, and Battle Armor, Skeletor on him. Because that, to me, was part of the iconic image. But, yeah, I would like to see, like, maybe King Hiss and Rattler at the bottom. And the Horde, like, Hordak and Grizzlor. And just imagine Ruby Obrero's art to it. How cool would that be? <laughs> okay, I already have like three hundred dollars saved. Brian, <laughs> make it so. <laughs> we do have to talk about the panels now that we're yes, because they did have quite a few panels. 
I know we both went to the uh, bio panel, which was pretty interesting that Scott did write most of the original bios. There was a roadmap. Well, just to point out, uh, Scott, you know, kind of mentioned how people kind of got on him for the uh, the panel, I mean, for the bios, and they kind of mentioned, you know, that people's like, oh, this is, sounds so... Childish. Yeah. And he mentioned, he pointed out, he really didn't write that much. It came from stuff he had already on file. Right, that Mattel had written back in the 80s or 90s, whenever the figure came out. Yeah. And that the last line of all the original bios, not the new ones that are coming out from Super 7. I per- my opinion, I wasn't there at the panel, but yes, there were things from, from the original, like taglines, things from past continuities, but a couple of things were Scott, and he's just like trying to downplay his input now that, now this well, may be considered a jab, but his writing was a bit inconsistent because he was trying to tell a story that wasn't very, very Jimenez-esque. I've already talked at nauseum, like, how Green Lantern lore has popped up a lot in Masters with name swap to avoid being a blatant rip off, but but yeah, there were some iffy things. Some may have come from Mattel. Others may have come from, from Scott. But we but he, next he time we need we need a clean slate. Next time we need next time we get like all encompassive toy line or a rebooted universe, we need a clean slate and start like basics. Like we know who the good guys are. We know who the bad guys are. We know more which relations they, each character has and start a story anew without trying to cram everything including the kitchen sink and try to make it fit because it's a horrible mess. Well, I don't necessarily agree or disagree. You know, you're right in some parts, but the other parts is is that he tried, like you said, he tried to put everything together. And it wasn't necessarily a grand story. It's just something that kind of, it was something that just got away from him. And he was already in it. He's like, you know, you can't rewrite it because he already wrote it back. And all that. And, you know, he, he really sincerely tried. And, and again, he pointed out the story was that this was him by himself for a while. For a good portion. He said about 90% of those bios he wrote, but using source material that was already established at Mattel. The bios uh, was him just trying to add a little flair to it. Well, just to point out, like, you know, at the panel, people asked him, you know, to share the bios and all that. He had one for Songster, which I thought everybody thought was just really cool. Heroic Eternian Bard. His explanation for this was that, you know, he had the power of, you know, the sonic keys of Music Maker and all that, which kind of tied into the movie. And he can create uh, stories from his sonic guitar. The filmation stories was actually stories from Songster. And okay. he's the one the the morals and all that because you know he tells the stories and all that okay i'm gonna say this and i know it's gonna sound strange especially since it's coming out of my mouth but dang it scott why did you have to leave before making some sort of figure it was coming that's because that's because i made fun of your bios right you just did this to spite me scott why That was the painful part. Songster was going to be either the 2016 or 2017 uh, subscription exclusive. Okay. It's a good thing that I have enough self-control, but 
just imagine that, listeners, just imagine that three-hour-long stream of expletives, and that's my reaction right now. 2016 holiday exclusive, did you? What hurt what worse? Five of them. No, it was the slime pit. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to make my peace with Scott, but now my anger is rising. <laughs> I know Scott's not like personally going against me, but for the sake of comedy, I make that joke often. And it would have been cool to have that plan. Yes, there you go. I can praise Scott when, when he does great things. When he goes up, well, I have to point it all out. So I'm just being as fair as an unbiased as I can be. So well, the one that hurt that I wanted to see was Starburst Shira. Yes, me too. And then I kept trying to think like, oh, which bio to pull up, which bio to, and I couldn't think of any at that t- moment in time, you know, because I know he had Sagittar. I know he had all the new adventures, but I, I wanted to pull out, like ask him about what, or to stump him about some obscure character. But I mean, he, he had a whole plan. There was a whole plan to get them up. Super 7 had their awesome panel. Of course, no new toys. No new toys. I think New York Comic Con. Uh, that's for you guys. Yeah, that's when I'll... I will be running to find their location in the Javits Center. Although some figures were hinted at. Please, collectors, please. please collectors. Well, that's a plus side here. Um, you know, he did say there's a new classics line coming. But he is not showing the figures until they're near final production because we have griped too much. (laughs) I mean, yes, he likes hearing from us, but when he was showing earlier versions, so many people would bombard him. Oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. That they are waiting till right before they're ready to say, let's produce. I ordered that the vintage figures, but yeah, that Tila, man. (laughs) I'm not going to. Since I'm not buying the vintage figures, I will not emit any comment on them. I wish them luck. But there's there seems to be a little problem in translating Filmation-inspired designs into actual toys in both classic scale and vintage scale. That's all I'm going to say. I'm trying to stay positive. I don't want to go full rant, full rant mode. I'm trying to avoid that. But no, but no, no, you have a point. There is a history behind that. I mean, translating 2D figures into 3D is really difficult. And it doesn't work out all the time. I mean, some of these cartoon figures that that we see now, you know, even when they do, um, there's a program out there. Actually, now there's a few programs that translate 2D images into 3D images. And I know a lot of these toy companies are using this program uh, for 3D modeling and all that. And it even and even when they do it and it's accurate, it still looks weird. Yes, it does. Because it's just not, you know, a 2D translation into a 3D. It just doesn't work so well sometimes. And I think that's what happened to some of these cartoons. I mean, He-Man's face looks okay in 2D, but when you give him shape and features. And you do have to like like smooth out and give him human facial features. It does look weird, you know. Animation was a very simple art form because of their stock system. Yeah, and the simpler, weirder it gets. I mean, look at the 
uh, bad yeah. animated it's actually, it's actually harder for them to sculpt something very simple. You would think it would be the opposite, but it's not. Especially in forms uh, of articulation. I mean, luckily, I, they're human yes. figures, but yeah. We are lucky that Masters of the Universe, based on filmation, most of the designs are, since most of the drawings were rotoscopes of real people, the proportions, proportions are more realistic, and that allows for a little bit of ease in transitioning 2D to 3D. When you go to something more stylized, like, say, Phineas and Ferb, or... My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, translating those 2D models into 3D can look really weird, especially since the simplistic style sometimes they flip images and in some cases characters that have like one ponytail that pops, the hair pops the same way for both sides. If you make it 3D, it would be like she'd have two ponytails or, or if her eye, or if her hair covers one eye, then in 3D, both eyes would be covered or would look like half bald. So the more stylized you go with simple designs, it can get real ugly. And I'll just save that for a little bit later. It'll come in handy. Well, I just <laughs> want to point out, my uh, I collect the uh, DC Collectibles Batman, the animated series. And yeah, they, they do have this awkward look to them because they, uh, DC Collectibles used that translation program. And of course, artists kind of sculpt it. But my Joker figures look weird. Because they are too cartoon accurate. You know, and this is why toy companies sometimes just didn't bother. Well, at Super 7, they, again, Brian was very elusive, but he put out slides. One of them had set ultimates with a question mark. So there is an ultimates, another ultimates wave coming. And he asked, what do you guys want to see in the next ultimates? If if we do one. Fisto. Fisto. Hands down. Fisto. That's it. That that's, that's not even a question. It, it's, well, the correct question is, uh, besides Fisto, who would you like to see? Roboto, Shadow well, Fisto Weaver. Was mentioned, yes. Roboto was mentioned. Uh, I think somebody mentioned Shadow Weaver, but I think there's a uh, filmation Shadow Weaver coming. Well, if, if she's coming, I'm getting that wave. Just because I can't have enough Shadow Weaver. <laughs> um, I, somebody mentioned a, uh, a, gra- a goddess. And I kind of oh, threw in, I'd like to see a glow-in-the-dark goddess. Yeah, 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 that. I don't, I don't want translucent plastic goddess. I, want, I just want a solid plastic goddess. And glow-in-the-dark would make her like a million times more awesome. Exploding crotches, please. <laughs> That's very important. And then other than that, I'm kind of stumped like who else? I mean... Um... I'm... Everyone was yelling out so many of the different names. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if the next wave would Rock. show Pisto, Roboto, and the Green Goddess. Maybe, maybe Frosta, just because like, she had like reversed arms. like She had we- weird colored clothing that should have been white, not gray. Maybe and, a Stinkor. Well, Stinkor too. And maybe, oh yeah, and a Frosta that doesn't look like an extra on Alvin and the Chipmunks. Shipwrecked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's kind of a tough one because there weren't really any more difficult ones after uh, Fisto. I mean, well, one, I don't, it's going to be really tough because Shadow Weaver, I don't think they want to do it because they don't want to mess with that subscription. And I think that it's easier for them to say, oh, there's a filmation one. 
different color deco and maybe slightly different sculpt, but not much. And they're, you know, and anybody who missed out on her can get her. And they're going to sell that Grayskull wave really right. easily. You know, I mean, of course, yeah. Fisto, because people got shortchanged on that one. Yeah, I remember, like, many got sorceresses in Fisto boxes. Well, they were giving away Fisto like crazy at Toy Fair that year. Everyone was walking out with two and three Fistos before they were even shipped. Uh, yeah, they need to do Fisto, because I just took a quick check on eBay, and, like, first... One, two, third item that pop up. First two were head casts. The first figure, Fisto figure that pop up, $225 loose Fisto pre-owned. Okay, let's think of what bad guys would be to balance it out because it's all been good guys we mentioned. Well, we could say I like... Evil Lynn. Didn't we get an Evil Lynn? I didn't well, get the ultimate, so I wasn't sure. No, no. Was there an ultimate Evil Lynn? No, no, huh? It makes work. Heman Thielus... The ones I own and Ram Man that I didn't buy because I didn't really need another Ram. Yeah, I didn't buy that one. I bought all the other ones just because I'm addicted. So yeah, we Not could throw in an evil in. Maybe uh maybe another uh trap job. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Maybe original Zodak, because I I know most people have the Toys R Us Zodak and they don't have like the monster feet, monster hands. And now that we have access to the Cobra can forearms. We can use like the real monster arms for Zodak. No, that's and, not uh, a bad and, idea. And the feathery yeah. feet, and and make it like a true vintage toy Zodak, and that would let itself like true vintage toy Ultimate Merman. Because I know some people want that, but just throwing it out there, it's up to Super Seven to weigh in their choices and pick whomever they feel it's the right pick for Ultimates because they don't want to end up like Ultimate Hydron Peg Warming. And just to point out, uh, he did say, you know, that they are more beasts. I mean, people complimented him on Stridor and I I think he kind of alluded to, he didn't want to mention it because I still think it's in the early stages, but I think we're going to see more beasts. And honestly, I think there's a vehicle somewhere in our future. Just... I don't know what, but I do think there's another vehicle. Well, if there's a vehicle coming, these are my two top choices. Not saying that these are the ones that they're going to make, just the ones I want. For the Heroic Warriors, Dragon Walker. I know it's stupid as heck, but I just love that thing. And for the bad guys, Landshark. Landshark, wow. Landshark. I'm going to go 50-50 on you. I want the Landshark, but for me... You're gonna pick the road. No, attack track. Yeah, I loved my attack track as a kid. Which one, uh, vintage toy attack track or soccer or soccer mom filmation attack track? I don't see. It. Well, of course, the toy one. They they're not gonna do like the Joe Morrow one that he did. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 but would be freaking insane. Like a two hundred dollars attack track. That okay? You got the soccer mom, the soccer <laughs> mom van version, and when when you open on the back it pops out the mini track that's basically the toy version that would work <laughs> no no, no that but amazing, but that that would mean like i i'm running out of kidneys to donate <laughs> <laughs> i think no and i think they could do it like how they did with the roton fighter where you could put the canopy and turn it into the uh the model version and it still works it'll be fine i don't think it'll be motorized but uh, i'm happy hey, i can i can lose i can lose motors or everything just to get like a display, like Attack Track, Dragon Walker, um, Road Ripper, or um, 
I know this one's like a pipe dream, but the collector. <laughs> that's that's like evil vehicle that everyone wants that hasn't existed. The collector. Uh, but personally, I'm more of a land shark guy. But yeah, beast. I would like like to see um, from rat beast. Obviously, Mantisor for Hordak, cause you know. King Grayskull's got to ride. He's got to ride. Shira's got to ride. Skeletor's got to ride. Beastman's got to ride. And Hordex's like, I have to walk this. Oh, I agree with you. I think Mantisaur should be coming. Yes. And Mattel already gave us that delicious T, that delicious sixty-something dollar T-Rex that if you paint it in Barney colors, you got a decent base for a Tyrannosaur. So. King his can have his right, and I and I don't need an official one. And I kept looking at the Triceratops to see if I could make a Bionatops, but no, no. I even went so far as took a He-Man figure to the Walmart to see <laughs> <laughs> how he would stand. Look, riding it. Yeah, no, no. But no. The, the T-Rex is reasonably reasonably big. It's just that it's reasonably expected expensive for a figure that I'm just going to. Repaint and glue a bunch of doohickeys to it. Uh, for those who also uh, collect the vintage, he said even if they're not on the pre-sale, they'll be in stock most of the time. Just keep checking in. He just can't keep the classics or the filmation in stock because they take up way too much room in the warehouse. Yeah, the other and ones are a little but he did mention, yes, he's continuing with the reaction series. He is going to still keep up with the vintage. He and I liked his quote. He was like, yeah, um, I'm the boss. I like him. I'm going to keep making them. Yeah, so. I like them. <laughs> did you guys get to see the return of Faker? Or it's still, I'm out of the loop again. Yes, well, he we has- did to see the first act of the return of Faker and the first four minutes of Act Two, which okay, I so- got to say was damn well amazing watching it. I mean, it's like he recreated the cartoon, and the process that he used to recreate it was so painstakingly. I mean, it, it borders line between amazing and are you insane? You know, it's either wow or you're crazy. I think it's well, a little bit of both with him. It, it's good that he's walking that fine line because it would be a shame that again I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say this like as an attack on Super Seven, but you know the whole three terrors thing at the at the end of the day it was decent, but it left me a bit disappointed, and I think like it could have been a bit cooler, but it well, felt a bit. James working on it. It yeah. And I know that James' dedication, well, throughout the years, he's been like the biggest, one of the biggest masters of the universe historians. I'd say he's the biggest filmation masters of the universe and Shira historian there is. I may be wrong, but. Lou Scheimer, I believe, even said he was the world expert on the filmation. And I looked around. You want to see how many people from filmation was at that panel? And their jaws were dropping because it looked like they did the work. He recreated the layering. He, you know, when he showed how he recreated the transformation scene, it was just stunning, you know, that he had to go back. He recreated, like, the storm background, and he showed, like, how he redid the lightning frame by frame on his computer. 
and the images and all that was just mind-blowingly like how much free time do you have in your life man you know i'm just like wow i can't do that i can't imagine anybody who can you know the amazing thing too is how he got the voice the voice back because he created voice boxes he went in he got all the audio from all the episodes and he created a digital voice box so basically kind of like the the vocaloids work like that you you input the you input text and based on the sound samples from the show he he cut the characters to say new stuff or he just like sampled like him well, and going like and and then like cleaned up the sound and like he has like this orco he can reuse well yeah and also i mean he used that you know and you see it like orco you know because how many times you know does john Irwin say orco tons of times but he also like sampled it so that they can say new sentences oh my god that's just freaking amazing i mean I, yeah i was just blown away that that he got the voice actors with digitization and all that to say new sentences and of course he sampled you know names of course and all that and you know got skeleton go you bumbling buffoons and you know you will go here you know and i was just like wow you know and even he got the tila to do the jump and you see the butt shot <laughs> yeah and he didn't have to use the stock footage even though that was stock number 22 and the filmation guides on their panel said they loved using that stock footage well they mentioned about how it saves them time you know like they worried more about time well, than story one of the storyboard artists did love using that footage <laughs> quite a lot and he admitted he loved the booty shot and then the director admitted that he tried to put in as many uh transformation scenes as he could uh, no it was the laughing uh he-man in when they had to do the greatest show on earth um on eternia that one they used stock 16 which was the laughing he-man 22 times in that episode and then they turned around and asked james Will our favorite clown be in The Return of Faker? <laughs> oh, I mean, that's I, one figure I don't want, Brian. Please don't give us the clown. Yeah, pass, man. I just had, like, a crazy idea. Like, maybe like, making, like, a trailer for it with Salty <laughs> Americans, the clown, playing the role of Pennywise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you could get one of those kids that have shown up, like, one of the spoiled kids. Uh, yeah, yeah, Prince Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, we covered the good, the bad. Now let's talk the ugly. And I'm talking about Netflix Shira. Yeah, Kelly, you take that because, oh my. Well, I've been very neutral on this because I remember how I was with MYP, He Man, and I had literally stepped away before I would even accept it. So that's why I've been quiet. Yes, we are seeing the return of Shira. This past weekend, we did get our first teaser of the Shira Netflix version where we hear a voice. It's either going to, the voice is either Light Hope or the sorceress calling out for Dora. She is much younger. She's a tween. So between 12 and 15, I'd say, when she discovers the sword. We did see the transformation. 
though I missed the filmation transformation se sequence that was so beautiful. I don't we like all miss it. I don't like that this is a Sailor Moon transition. Thank this you. Is, this is a rip off of Sailor Moon with that transformation. Thank you. Thank you because I posted that in a few of the forums and nobody gets it. I guess everybody forgot Sailor Moon or didn't they watch not... Sailor Moon Crystal? It was only out about two years ago. I know, and I saw it, and I saw her transformation, and it screamed Sailor Moon. It is identical. No, it's not identical, because I've been watching Sailor Moon recently. It's a bad knockoff, because at least when Sailor Moon transformed, she, she was moving about, like, prancing as, like, oh, she, she lit her leg up, uh, like... Well, and, she was doing a dance routine. And, and she's, like, she's moving up. Uh, Dora on this thing is, like... She's just standing still. The boots come up. The horrible bike shorts appear on the open skirt. That's a ripoff from another anime. I'll get into that later. And then she, she gets the jacket. And then she goes like, come at me, bro. Punches, punches her hand in a Robin pose. Then she gets the sword. Like, oh, yeah, this was supposed to be here. And yeah, I she's like, no, you're doing it backwards. You get the sword. Yeah, you don't transform before the key phrase. That phrase that, is what triggers the transformation. That would be like the Power Rangers. Like they stand in their civilian clothes. They turn into Power Rangers. And after everything done, it's Morphin time. No. This is why I, hipsters have pop culturally appropriated She-Ra. This does feel like a hipster show now, doesn't it? Oh. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's all we saw of the preview. I will be at the panel on October 4th at 3 o'clock finding out all about her return. They are doing a full-hour panel about her. Hopefully, we will get to see more than what we saw. The beginning part of that trailer had me psyched, the way they were calling her and all like that. That transformation, well... Hopefully, someone messed up with editing. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's bad. Well, not from a technical standpoint of view. I mean from a... How kids say this? They, do you even Shira? They, they got it all wrong. I mean, from a technical standpoint, I don't like the art style. But the animation looked decent for that stylized style. I'm not a fan of, like... Okay, yeah, for mentioned, yeah, she stood still. And, and then, like, the little lightning and fireworks change her outfit. Yeah, but that was in the 19, 1980s before the magical was popular. Sailor Moon 20 years ago did a transformation much more epic than this. This looks half-hearted. And you can even see it in Shira's face. Like, when she gets her sword, she's like, oh, like, eh, I don't really want to be here. She, look, she looks, like, unenthusiastic. And, that's the vibe I'm getting. Now, on the plus side, it is from DreamWorks, and it's the guys who did the Voltron series on Netflix. And the Voltron series on Netflix is actually pretty good. It seems like they're kind of ending, or it should be ending now, because the way the story has been going. And to me, I thought, okay, here's their replacement. Just the same way Game of Thrones is ending, and Westworld is kind of their replacement. The thing I've picked up on... And by looking at the designs, looking at the characters, I mean, the, the way they did Bow and Glimmer, I'm like, okay, you want to modernize it, fine. 
But to me, it's it's screaming like it's going to have teen angst stories. Well, that's what I'm hearing too. Yeah, that and is, all this teen drama. Over the side of Shira. It's basically yeah, thirteen reasons why with oh, Shira. God. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be. I know this is a sensitive topic, so I'm gonna be threading through mine through a minefield, being blinded and using a a hundred pound walking stick. So I'll try to detonate as few mines as possible as I'm walking through this minefield. I have many issues with the direction it's taking. First, I'm not a fan of Noel Stevenson's work. I read about 10 issues of her comic Lumberjeans, not feeling it. And if she has that same vibe, I'm not going to be watching for long. With that said, the designs... Well, before I go to the designs... I have an issue with like all these people reporting on Shira that are like Noel Stevenson, creator of Shira. No, she didn't create. She's just a showrunner of this adaptation, and it's like they're just playing God mode, like Noel Stevenson, LGBTQ woman, creator of Shira, and it feels to me like they're doing the Ghostbusters 2016 defense. Like, if you didn't find the movie, the movie funny, it's because you're a sexist, racist, misogynist. And since she is now a queen, well, now you're a pedophile. No, I, I have issues like the signs. Yes, it went with the fake diversity. Let's make everyone from every single race available to check all the boxes. Okay, fine, they did that. But the problem I have with the designs is that their clothing, it looks mostly like you can find it at Gap, Urban Outfitters, Hot Topic, kind of stuff. It's not Renaissance Fair meets Star Wars kind of thing that's... This look that the fantasy look that Princess of Power is supposed to have. The character with the closest look to that is Bo. And it still kind of looks like he just got those clothes at Party City by mixing and matching. Katra looks like rejected background Thunderian number three for the 2011 Thundercats. Or an anime ripoff. Yeah. And, and Shira's outfit, to me, the biggest offender is like the open skirt, the open skirt with the back short. With bike shirts, that's the key, the iconic part of Utena Tenjo's outfit from Revolutionary Girl Utena. That would, and it's ripping off the key, the key aspect from another anime, from another character from an anime. It makes Shira feel derivative right, of the anime. And no, Shira is like, Shira is basically, if she's supposed to be derivative of some someone, is He Man, but but her story is more parallel with Xena, Warrior Princess, than anything. There, I wish Shira would would have been would have had more of a Xena influence than anything else. It doesn't feel epic. It doesn't feel mythological. Teen angst. Again, I'm gonna wait and see like the storylines, and hopefully, I know there's a story arc. I know they they have. Uh, I think Netflix cleared them for season two already, or they're committed to a season two. Man, it's just it's just really a difficult pill to swallow it feels like the people who are doing the series doesn't know shira i mean even if they did know shira it seems like they don't understand shira that that's why i'm waiting to see the panel hopefully i can come back with a lot more answers and some hope that it's not going in the direction that all the speculation and rumors that have been flying around the fandom and here's the thing. I don't want it to suck because everyone knows here that I, I love She-Ra even more than He-Man. But it's like everything they've shown 
about the show that it's not related to how awesome Noel Stevenson is has been like everything that you do not do for a Shira show. And it sucks that I've had like fights with friends who who are Shira fans, but it's like, oh, I don't love I don't love this. I don't love the direction that it's taking. It's like suddenly I hate Shira. I'm a pervert. I'm a pedophile. And it's like, no! I just don't like this direction because it seems like they're doing a show that it's not Shira. That it's like they just took the name Shira and they just slap it on the first thing they thought. It's like, okay, remember Jim and the Holograms, the movie that that the movie people were like, oh, if you're if you're from the '80s, this movie's not for you. This is for modern audiences. And then what we got, the product we got, wasn't Jim. Oh, it was Hannah Montana. That's uh, the vibes I'm getting from this show. Like, this is not Shira. This is definitely not Shira. These people do not understand Shira, and you're gonna screw up Shira, and and then it's gonna be like Mattel's gonna be like, "Look, we ain't gonna do Shira." And I'm gonna tell you this: uh, when the series comes out, we're coming here to this show, and we are gonna look at it. If it's good, I'm gonna say, "Okay, it's good." But again, it's a that design so far. I'm not crazy about. We will judge it, and again, people are entitled to their opinions, but. Wow, that to me, and I'll say my opinion is, is that it doesn't look good. Yeah. And and you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it right now, even a long time before the show airs, if I have to eat crow, I'll gladly eat crow. But right now, this show would have been better, better if she was called Valkyrie, Cyber Valkyrie Defender of Neo Asgard. Right now, it doesn't feel like she You know that teaser trailer, the first part of the forest, that it almost felt good, but the whole four, the whole earth-like forest on an alien world with, with the sword trapped in the middle of the forest. It didn't remind me Shira. That reminded me like Legend of Zelda and the Super Nintendo, like a link to the past, like when Link has to go to, through the Lost Woods, he gets a sword and then he goes and, and does his quest to beat evil. It reminded me of Legend of Zelda instead of Shira. Then the whole Sailor Moon transformation, well, the bad knock of, of, of a Sailor Moon transformation reminded me of Sailor Moon and it didn't remind me of Shira. The designs kind of remind me of Bratz instead of Shira. So I'm I'm having a troll. Like the show doesn't know it's supposed to be Shira, and it's being everything but Shira. I could be wrong. I I want this show to be as mind blowing as MYP was, but right now uh, I'm seeing Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a better show. Oh, and Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles looks one of like one of those floaters that, that pass through the turtle's home. Here's your opportunity to join the council. We're always looking for some new people to join with unique opinions. If you would like to have a chance to be on Council of the First Ones, please PM us at Nerds on the Couch on Facebook. Be able to explain what you love about he-Man and Sheila, and we are—we will get back to you. Well, and I want to explain a little bit about our absence. You know, yeah, you know, we've been gone, we've been busy, and all that, but we're always here. We're always on Nerds on a Couch. Council of the First Ones is very much alive. We're all together. It's just life. <laughs> you know, like life wow. happens. Being an adult sucks. Yeah, I mean, stinks. We are here, and we are committed to being here. That's in part why we're looking for an extra voice so we can, like, we optimal conditions, we'll have four, four, five people in. 
worst case scenario, some some of the new guys can fill in for some of the members who cannot go cough, cough, me, cough, cough. So we just try to keep going at it because we all love Masters. And when the toy lines are done, when the shows are done and we go back to that horrible hiatus period, it's us, the fans, who keep keep this alive. It's We are, we are in a way, the fandom in general, we are in a way the gatekeepers of He-Man when Mattel doesn't do it due to other priorities or simply not caring. Because, I mean, look at Street Sharks. We could be the next Street Sharks if we don't keep this alive. And also the nice thing about Council, we have had members from all over the world. And finding out how Masters of the Universe was portrayed in the different countries has been so fascinating. I know at PowerCon, both Renee and I met fans from Argentina and how big of a community that is down there. Well, so we shout out to those guys from Spain with all the tattoos, uh, all He-Man tattoos. I, don't, I forgot about those, too. So we're looking for unique personalities, a love of He-Man and She-Ra. So if you're interested, just reach out to us. Do you want to give a special shout-out and thanks to Super 7 for keeping the Masters of the Universe line alive? We do have to give also a shout-out to He-Man.org. If you need any updates on any breaking news, Masters of the Universe, they're your place to go. Also, they run PowerCon. Thank you for hosting us. we got to give a shout-out to Val Staples. He put together a really awesome Comic-Con. Yes, he did. And I know he'll be the first to say it, and he said it. It was a team effort, so thank you to everybody there who helped make this a great Comic-Con. And, of course, Mattel for creating the line. And speaking of which, I got to give a shout-out. I met Mark Taylor at PowerCon and his lovely wife. They're awesome, super nice people. He was so inspirational at his panel. I mean, my daughter was there. This, and I, I forgot to mention, this was the first year my daughter went to the power. And she actually had a great time. And Mark Taylor was just so inspirational. It was such an honor that I got to meet him and thank him for creating Masters of the Universe. I know it wasn't just him, but he was one of the instrumental people. And I pointed out to him that we're all here because of him. So until next time, I'm Kelly wishing all of you a safe journey. I'm Renee. See you all next time. Safe journey. Brandon Crespo here. Safe journey. On today's episode, we discussed the new Shira. Or dislike the show based on the info that has been available. Your opinions are yours. You are free to discuss them. What you should not do is insult, belittle, or mock people who have a different opinion of you. Whether they like it or hate it, just listen to the, their opinions. And if you want to discuss why do you like it, do so in a manner that you do not insult, offend, or attack the other person for having a different opinion. Until next time. Pa 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 pa